0: Welcome to Parkview. We're glad to have you guys here. Welcome, Facebook Live. Let's just say welcome to you. So, I, I'm, like, I'm like watching it right now. I'm like, there's people in Florida. There's people in Iowa. Somebody's in Oxnard, California. Do you know my kids live there? I got, we got we to connect on that one. Somebody's watching from the parking lot at our Homer campus, okay? <laughs> Amanda, just go in. I, I, just go in. They're nice. We're glad that you're all here watching us online. Uh, we're really, really glad. Our uh, we we had a crazy killer beginning to the 2017, 2018 season last year, last weekend. I can't even get my time straight now. Um, over 10,000 people worshipped with us last weekend. That's a crazy new record. So I know that a lot of you are new, and we just want to say welcome. We're glad you're here. Help us help us to help you, whatever we can do, you guys. Um, we're doing the This Is Us thing, and and it's really not about, you know, the show. It's just a way to talk about the reality and who we are. Uh, that's proud of you. New Linux Campus uh, starting a new service last weekend. Uh, Homer Campus is starting next weekend, another new service. Just a lot of great things going on. And uh, this, next week, we're going to talk about marriage. This Is Us Marriage It's going to be about the reality of marriage. And my wife's going to join me. I hope that you'll be here for that. We're going to talk brutally honest This Is Us Marriage, okay? A uh, week after that, Daryl Strawberry, uh, New York Mets Hall of Famer, struggled with cocaine addiction most of his baseball career, uh, and he's going to be here to, to teach and to talk and, uh, and to help us, to encourage us when we struggle with addictions, okay? Today, I wonder if people like me, listen, I had obviously no idea what was going to go on in, on the world you know, platform this week. I mean, no idea that when I came up with this topic, but I wonder if people like me could be, depends on what country you come from. You know, I mean, it it depends on how you view this whole thing. And I don't care whether it doesn't really matter what the president said or didn't say at this point about some countries being, you know, better than other countries, or, or wanting people from there more than another one. What people heard this week was that maybe that was a thing. And I couldn't have known that when I planned this series. That Martin Luther King's birthday is Monday, and obviously part of this comes together. But, but I, I want to come back to that. I want to come back and hit that. The, the point today is not about how can we make other people feel loved and feel liked. We want to. We we do. Jesus said, whatever you've done to the least of these, my brothers, okay, in case you got lost in this politics of this thing, this is a biblical issue. Whatever you've done for the least of these, my brothers, you've done it to me. So that's our job. But today I want to talk about you okay? If you are from a place, if you are in a place where you're like, I wonder if people like me, I wonder if I fit in, can I measure up, let me talk to you. Because we all do feel that, no matter where we're from, no matter what our race or gender or whatever's going on, we all feel that from time to time. And I will prove it by bringing out this. Let's go back to school, okay? Let's go go back to school when you're young. And let me just Remember that sound, right? What, what does that do to you, okay? has a very unique ping sound to it, doesn't it, right? Especially if it's smashing off of your face. Who was the sadist that invented the red rubber ball with little ridges in it? My guess is that as you heard this sound, as you, as you heard this thing bouncing and saw this red rubber ball, you had one of two reactions. Number one, you are... Uh, excited you're like oh cool let's go play kickball let's go play dodgeball i love that and that's because you're either a natural athlete or you were big or maybe you were held back a few grades <laughs> we know who you are you had a mustache and a driver's license in junior high we we knew okay <laughs> The, the rest of us, the rest of us, as we hear this sound, it sends shivers down your spine, doesn't it? Because either you weren't that great at kickball or dodgeball, and this sound brings up bad memories, not just because you knew that you might embarrass yourself, even if they put you in right field, you know somebody might actually kick it out there, but also because of that super awkward time with the very beginning when the teacher would pick two captains and then have them pick teams painful memory, isn't it? I mean, I was a decent athlete. I loved kickball and dodgeball, but I had a September birthday. So I was always like the youngest in my class. So I was never at the top of the draft choices. And most of us know the feeling of waiting around and wondering if our name is going to be called. And you didn't care if you were first or not. You just wanted to make sure you weren't way down the list, right? Most of us know the feeling of going over to school to to look for the list of who made it on the team, who made it in the organization or the choir or the band or whatever it was that you tried out for. And, and, and hey, that's life. Not everybody gets to play varsity. That's the way things go. But the sting of rejection, the sting of feeling unloved and unwanted, you you get what I'm saying. Most of us knew the sting of rejection at at a romantic situation. Most of us know what it's like to walk in the cafeteria and hope that there will be a seat somewhere other than at the loser table. Many of us know what it's like to never sit anywhere but the loser table. Many of us know what it's like to be bullied, know what it's like to be harassed. You know what it's like to be abused. As a father of three daughters, I got to tell you that the, the hashtag Me Too campaign breaks my heart and makes me proud at the same time that we're tackling this head on. That There are still people in the 21st century, who think that they are more deserving of love or approval than somebody else still boggles my mind. That there are people still in the 21st century that even worse think that they have the right to take things from other people. Still, in, in this day and age when we are this enlightened, it still frustrates me so much. And as I thought about this issue this whole week, of course, the the political stuff is going on on the other side as well. I just was overwhelmed by the emotion of remembering what it's like to be on the other side of that. Whether, whether it was a racial thing for you or a gender thing for you or what country you come from or whatever the deal is, to be on the other side of that. Just to, my experience with rejection, a little bit of some bullying, maybe a little bit of discrimination, not very much, and how sorry I am for those of you who are there right now and for those of you who I could not possibly understand what it would have been like to grow up in your shoes. It, it, just, it just overwhelmed me. And then I started to think about my grandchildren and and what are they going to go through if we can't figure this out, you know? I mean, they're adorable, and if anybody messes with them, let's just say I know people, (laughs) right? And and so far, my grandsons are big, so maybe they can take care of themselves. My eight-month-old grandson, George, his head is in the 99th percentile. I just got to show you this, okay? Look at... (laughs) That's George Timothy right there. The 99th percentile, you know what that is? That's another way of saying no other eight-month-old baby ever had a bigger melon than Georgie, okay? They don't tell you 100th percentile. Nobody's messing with Georgie, but he might not always be big. And he might not be athletic, and he might not be cool unless he keeps his father's British accent, and then that's a guarantee, right? But, but you don't know what's going to happen. What do I need to teach them? What, what do I need to help them to understand? And it's so much worse today than it was even when my kids were growing up because of social media. Now we have fake and Instagram. <laughs> I made that one up, Okay. Facebook and Instagram and all the social media things. And if you read anything about psychology, sociology whatsoever, you read about what social media is doing to our psyches, almost every writer, almost every person who's writing about this says the more you're on social media, the more depressed that you are going to be. Why is that? Because now we have social comparison, that's what psychologists call it, social comparison. Now not only do I have to go over to school and see if I made it down the list, but now I'm on Facebook, I'm seeing everybody else and all their glory, glorified lives and all the wonderful things that are going on for them, and I know my life isn't that good. And the- Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy, so this all makes sense. Psychiatric News Journal, I read this week, reported that people that had the most social media platforms have three times the risk of depression and anxiety than the people who had the fewest social media platforms. Why? Image management. It's image management, right? When we know this, Time Magazine, another thing I read this week, Time Magazine asked, do you think other people's profiles on social media make them look better than they actually are? Duh. I mean, right? 76% of the people said, yeah, I think people are making themselves look better on social media. Then they asked the follow-up question, does your social media profile accurately describe your life? And 78% of the people said yes. Yes. Everybody else is lying on fake book, but I'm being honest. I mean, this is just my life, right? And it's hard. Social media can be good. I mean, I, I love that, I love that we got people watching us on Facebook Live. I, I'm not making fun of that. That's just fantastic. I, I've got a contract to write another book, and, and my publisher wants me to, you know, enlarge the platform and get more followers because the more followers, the more we can get the message of the book out. And it won't be out for a year and a half, probably. I haven't even written it yet, but 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 that's what that's those are kind of Kind of good things that can happen. We had 6,000 views of our last week's Facebook Live message just on that platform. That doesn't even include the app and all the, all the people that are watching us online. Our website at Parkview, I did some research on this, our website at Parkview gets 350,000 hits a year from 138 countries. That that is amazing. That's an opportunity for the gospel that we've never had before. Our Facebook got 10 million impressions last year. This is Grace Carmichael. Meet Grace Carmichael. She stumbled across a podcast on iTunes when she was 14 years old and started listening to Parkview services from rural Australia every week. It, it, over there, watching us over here, she's 19 now, and she is basically a member of Parkview over in Australia. Welcome, Grace. We're glad you're here, too. I should check and see if she's on Facebook Live right now, but it's probably like 3 in the morning. I don't know, but, but, but it's so cool. She, she came over for Thanksgiving to visit in the U.S., to visit some friends. And she landed at O'Hare Airport and had her friend bring her straight to the 12 o'clock service at Orland from the airport because so that, that was the only one that she could make it by the time she got in so that she could come to church here and be a part of us because she'd been doing it online. That is, a, that is an unbelievable opportunity. Grace, we're, we're glad that you're a part of us. How do we manage this? How do you balance it? Okay, Because here's the deal. Jesus told us in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, hey, don't do your acts of righteousness before men. All right? Praying, fasting, giving, he talked about all those things. Don't, don't make yourself look better by doing them before men because that, you want to do it in secret where your father will see. But on the other hand, he also said, let your light shine before men that they will glorify your father in heaven. They'll see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So how can you be an example on social media and not brag on social media. It's a tricky balance. Well, let me help you with this whole deal of how do we find worth? How do we manage it? How how do you how do you figure out where to really find who you are in the world? and, and, And whether or not you should care about I wonder if people like me, let's go to Genesis 29. Talk about a girl named Leah. Now Laban had two daughters, the name of the older was Leah and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was lovely in form and beautiful. OK? I just got to stop. It's, uh, it's a weird translation. Okay. She had weak eyes. So you're like, what does that mean? Could she not see very good? I I don't think so. I'm legally blind without my contacts. I don't think that's what this is. I think this is about something outwardly being wrong with her eyes. Because when you look at the Hebrew, and when you look at the contrast, there's a contrast because Leah had weak eyes, but Rachel was hot. That's basically what the Hebrew says here. Okay. It doesn't say Leah was blind and Rachel was a fighter pilot. It's says, you know, she was unattractive and she was attractive. And most of us have hit the new year and want to try to do some things to look more attractive, lose some weight, get in better shape. Go ahead, everybody raise your hand and act like you've made a resolution that you're going to do something to feel a little bit better about yourself and get in better shape this week. Okay, good. Yeah, see, I see that hand. Okay, good. I have the answer for you. These guys got it right. Boom. Cremation. It's your last chance at a smoking hot body. Ah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, okay? The, 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 listen, this is why I want to use this passage of Scripture. I wonder if people like me. Leah, I, I was thinking about how can we deal with this thing, and, and I got to tell you, Leah is the poster child for this thing. And let me just say something here, okay? I know that most of the girls in this room, you read that and you feel the comparison between hot girl, you know, and Leah. And it hurts because you feel more like Leah probably than you do Rachel. Not very many girls in the room broke into, don't you wish your girlfriend was hot like me. <laughs> when Ed Sheeran sings, you look perfect, number one song on the radio, you're thinking, uh, I, I just ho- I wish somebody, I hope somebody would be able to sing that song to me someday. Side note, Got to go on YouTube and listen to Ed Sheeran sing You Look Perfect with Andrea Bocelli, opera singer. It's unbelievable. It'll change your life. Just follow me on Facebook. It's on there. I've already posted it. (laughs) Here's the deal. Not many of us think that we're beautiful, okay? Because there's always somebody out there that's more beautiful. My guess is... (laughs) Rachel probably didn't even feel like Rachel. Okay. I have three very lovely daughters, obviously because I married a gorgeous woman and no thanks to me. But even as a father of outwardly beautiful girls, I can tell you that all girls, especially all people, I think, but especially girls, suffer, even the outwardly beautiful, physically beautiful ones, suffer from our society's glorification of some kind of perfect beauty it gets worse. Jacob was in love with Rachel. He was shallow. He was in love with Rachel and he said, I will work seven years in return for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than some other man. <coughs> Guys, wouldn't you, want, had, wouldn't you have wanted your father-in-law to say that to you? Well, there ain't nobody else around. I guess I might as well give her to you. Okay. Yep. All right. You can have her. Stay here with me. So so Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. (laughs) Sounds like one of my wife's Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. (laughs) Listen, I want to tell you something. I've been married for 34 years next month, and you know what it feels like? 34 years. There were a few hours coming out of rotator cuff surgery that are unaccounted for in my mind right now. But otherwise, time did not stand still for either one of us. Feels like 134 years to her. I hope you'll come back next week and listen to a reality sermon about message, a a, a message about uh, marriage and what it's all about. This is us, okay? Seven years later, here's where the story gets really weird, okay? Leah, you know, poor girl. Somehow Laban, dad, pulls a fast one and substitutes Leah for Rachel on the wedding night. Okay, trying to be, you know, PG here. He, he, he literally, we don't know what Leah thinks about it at all. Obviously, you know, Jacob is wasted at this point. He's not paying nearly enough attention to what's going on. And, 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 and Laban goes, hey, Leah, why don't you go in there? And, and she did, and Jacob slept with Leah. And, and this is one of the hardest verses in the Bible. When the morning came, there was Leah. Just put yourself in her, in her shoes, okay? So Jacob's like, hey, what, what have you done to me? What, what, why, I served you for Rachel, didn't I? Why have you deceived me? I mean, it's such a goofy story. Just put yourself in Leah's place, okay? I, we didn't we, polygamy was more normal back then, but still. Laban replied, it's not our custom to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one, so finish this daughter's bridal week and we will give you the younger one also in return for another seven years of work. That's a whole new meaning that this is us, isn't it? I mean, I don't know whoever thought polygamy was a good idea in the first place, but can you imagine? Never fear, Jacob's love for Rachel is so strong that he's like, okay, give me Rachel too and I'll work seven more years for her because it's only a couple of days, right? But guess what happens? Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. It's not Jacob's fault. It's not Rachel's fault. It's not Leah's fault. It's Laban's fault. But there it is. you feel that? you feel her pain? The girl that nobody wanted, the girl who was dumped on some guy by her dad and has to live with the guy who not only didn't choose her, but picked her sister and had to live with the sister. I mean, even God feels bad for her. This is really important. When the Lord saw, pay attention to this. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb. Okay. Again, cultural context women didn't have a lot of rights. They didn't have a a lot of things they could point to and go, look at what I've done. So childbearing, and I know childbearing is always a huge issue for women, but back in this culture, it was like one of the only things that they could do. So God looks down, he sees, he sees Leah, he sees what's going on and this horrible situation and how she's not loved. And he says, well, I'm going to help. And he opens her womb, but Rachel was barren. Okay. So Leah might not be that attractive, whatever, on the outside, but at least she can have babies. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son, and she named him Reuben. For she said, it is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. What does she do? She's never been able to to do the beauty queen thing. She's never been the homecoming queen. She's never been able to get anybody to love her because of her looks. But now she has something. She can have kids. So, So the next verses are so sad. She conceived again a second time. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. And she named him Simeon. And again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons, maybe third time's a charm. So she named him Levi. She named her sons, I hope he will love me, I hope he will love me the second, and I hope he will love me the third. Life's been completely unfair to her stuck with a dad who dumped her on a man who didn't want her because he didn't think anybody else was going to marry her along the way. And here she is in this situation trying to find approval from somebody else the only way she knows how. I got to say, it was really interesting. We started this thing last week. If you weren't here, you weren't a part of it. Million chapters. Go to YouVersion. That's a Bible app. YouVersion. Look up a million chapters and jump in with us. We've already got over 1,000 people from our church doing this together. Our goal is to read a million chapters of the Bible together by the end of the year. That's one of our 2018 goals. That's one of the things we're doing with asking God for a double blessing on the, on the upcoming year. And, and, and I just, I, I mean, I, I, I hope you'll do it. It's what's fascinating is every time I read the Bible, every time I read through, there's something jumps out at me that I didn't notice. So if you were in the Bible, it's just a chapter a week, a chapter a day, guys. It's not, it's not difficult. Jump on and do it. Go to our website. We'll help you with it. Okay. I'm reading through the Gospel of John. This is where we started. And I get to this passage on like Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday. Now, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at Passover, Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew people. <laughs> Remember I said last week, people are dumb, okay? Hey, we're dumb. Everybody is. We're fickle. If you're going to try to find your hope, if you're going to find your purpose and your love and your acceptance from other people, good luck with that. Okay? I just wanna, I, you got to understand, Jesus knew this, so he did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Jesus is doing miracles and he's like, oh, you know what, I, I'm glad that you guys like me right now, that's great. As a matter of fact, later on, like in yesterday's passage, when we get to John 6, and it says that the people liked Jesus so much they were going to force him to be the king. I don't want to be the king. Well, you're going to be the king. And so he ran, I don't know why he's Monty Python, he runs away from them. I'm not dead yet. He runs away from them because they love him so much they want him to be the king. But he knows people. He knows that he can't trust in people because people are going to let you down. It's a pretty harsh lesson in Holy Week when the people are going, Yay, you're the king on on Sunday, and boo, crucify him on Friday. That's who people are. If your goal is to get people to like you, just remember that. Jesus never bothered with any of that. The text, our text in Genesis 29 says that when the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he loved her. That's where you find your acceptance. That's where you find your love. He he is the real groom. He is the husband of the husbandless. He is the father of the fatherless. The Bible says he will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's a passage about God being our good father who stands over our crib when we're crying and sings over us. The Bible says I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. That's who our good father is. See what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. That's where we find our self-worth. But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners he sent his son his one and only son to die for us and of course one probably most of you know god loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that's where we get our love that's where we get our acceptance and maybe as the world loves us less god loves us even more he loved the world listen to me if you're from haiti he loves you. If you're from Africa, I've been to Africa eight times to try to help the people there. Know how much we love them. We're involved in several countries there. If you're from Norway, God loves you. If you're from Illinois, God loves you. If you're from Indiana, we're jealous of you, but God loves you. Okay. Male, female, athletic, not so athletic, young, old, hot, weak-eyed, red, yellow, black, and white. They are precious in his sight. That's where you find your acceptance. That's where you find your love. And Leah got it, check this out. I love this. She gets pregnant again and she had another son. She conceived again and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. And she named him Judah. Judah means this time I will praise the Lord. Do you hear the defiance in that claim? Like, I don't care if my husband loves me, I don't care if my kids give me meaning, I don't care if people think I'm weak-eyed, I don't care what anybody else thinks. This time, I will praise the Lord. That's where you find your acceptance. C.S. Lewis said, most people, have really learned to look in their own hearts, they would know and know acutely that, that, that there's something that can't be had in this world. There are all sorts of things in this world that they can offer to you, but it will never keep the promise. And I want to tell you, acceptance of other people is chief among those things. He goes on, he says, God invented us like a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on gasoline and it won't run properly on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. That is why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way. God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it's not there. There is no such thing. That's the only place you're going to find it. That's the only place you're going to find love and acceptance. I don't care if you're the best kickball player in the world. The only place you're going to find the love and acceptance that you're looking for is from your heavenly father. Now, there's some things that you can do to help this along the way if you want to. I mean, one of the things I've been noticing in, in, in social studies and, and psychology studies, i have I, always paying attention to the social media and depression and the links there. But a lot of stuff has been going on about volunteering and, and feeling good and being positive and how much that helps people. It's like, if you asked a psychologist, what should should I do to stop feeling depressed? It would say, stop spending so much time on social media comparing yourself to other people. Well, what could I do to stop being depressed? Go help other people. It's really that simple. So this weekend, we've got the serve thing going on, man. Say yes. Will you join a say yes team? I want to encourage you. If you're feeling a little blue, if you've got the, you know, seasonal affective disorder like all of us do living around here, and you're thinking, man, I'm just not feeling that great. Other people don't lie. I don't have enough likes on my Facebook. Stop looking at that and go help somebody. I mean, we literally had a 1,000 more people at our church last weekend than we've ever had before. Do you understand what that means? It means we've got to have more kids workers, we've got more, more parking lot, More. we've got more services starting. We need your help. Fill out your name and your contact information and drop this on a box on the way out and we will be in touch with you this week and we will help you figure out a place to serve. Let me tell you something. All of the children in my wife's three-year-old class on Sunday, Saturday night that she teaches, all of them really like her. If they had Facebook accounts, they would follow her on Facebook. <laughs> There are only three, so I hope they don't. But listen, you want to feel better? Stop doing that and start doing something else. Start saying, this time I will praise the Lord. And what's amazing about the son Judah, Judah, this time I will praise the Lord. Maybe this phrase will ring a bell. Jesus was a lion from the tribe of Judah. Hebrew writer says it is clear that the Lord descended from Judah. Jesus came through the line of Judah. Uh, if you haven't figured this out by now, this whole crazy situation we've been describing—this is Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Okay, now oh, you're not now. Now I know the story. Jacob, Jacob and sons. It's that psycho right there who was married to Rachel and Leah. Okay, who are the moms of uh, uh, Rachel? Was Joseph's mother? And and Jacob hasn't figured out how to not do the favoritism thing. He never figured it out with his wives, and he didn't figure it out with his kids, and he, he shows favoritism to Joseph, and the brothers throw him into slavery, and you know the whole rest of the story. God worked the whole thing out. This is dysfunctional family 101, you guys, okay? But out of one of the 12 tribes, those are the 12 tribes, the 12 sons of Jacob, out of one of those tribes will come the Savior of the universe. And which one was it? It was, this time I will praise the Lord. It was Judah, who came from the unchosen, unloved, weak-eyed woman whose life was completely unfair, but who finally figured out that what other people thought about her was unimportant. The only thing that mattered was what God thought of her. And when she figured that out, she changed the world forever. If you'll permit me, I rewrote Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Most of this is his. Some of this is mine that I threw in. We're going to have special service. Uh, weekend after Easter will be the anniversary of, 50th anniversary of his assassination. We're going to talk more about racism and more about those things as we come along the way. But I reread the speech yesterday, and I thought, man, we need to hear some of this again. So permit me. I have a dream, he said, that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of the creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my, I'll I'll say grandchildren, will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin or by the way they look or by their athletic ability or by their intelligence or by fill in the blank, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that people from every country, especially countries like Haiti and countries in Africa, where they may indeed need our help the most, will find us with our arms wide open because we believe that when the Lord said, whatever you've done for the least of these, my brothers, you've done it unto me, and not whatever you've done for the most. I have a dream that one day little boys and little girls from every race and every background, we'll have the same opportunities in the land of opportunity. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley will be exalted. This is what Martin Luther King said, quoting scripture. And every hill and every mountain will be made low. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh will see it together. This is our hope. And With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to stand up for freedom together. And knowing that we will be free one day. I have a dream, this is me, that that even when people around us treat us poorly and unfairly, when we feel like the people around us are getting the breaks that we wished we had, that we will say, this time I will praise the Lord. That we will remember that we have a good Father in heaven who may even love us more as the world loves us less. I have a dream that if we can grasp grasp that and learn to live in that faith and in that hope, he might even change the world through us. That's my dream.